Let's turn in our Bibles, please, to the book of Numbers there in the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. And it's Numbers chapter 13. And we'll read from the middle of the chapter, from verse 21 down to the end. So Numbers chapter 13 and verse 21. Let's read the Word of God together. Let's hear the Word of the Lord this morning. Numbers chapter 13 and verse 21. Continuing our little series of thoughts on facing our giants. Facing our giants. And so we're in Numbers 13 and we're starting at verse 21. Speaking of the twelve spies going to spy out the land of Canaan, the land of promise, the land of inheritance, the land of blessing that God had promised to the children of Israel. We read in verse 21, So they went up and searched the land from the wilderness of Zin unto Rahab as men come to Hamath. And they ascended by the south and came unto Hebron, where Ahaman, Shishai, Talmai, the children of Anak were. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. And they came unto the brook of Eshcol and cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes, and they bare it between two upon a staff. And they brought of the pomegranates and of the figs. And the place was called the brook Eshcol because of the cluster of grapes with the children of Israel had cut down from thence. And they returned from searching of the land after forty days. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the children or the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great, and moreover, we saw the children of Anak there, and the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. And the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with them said, We be not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. And we'll just end at verse 33, the reading of God's precious word, and we know that God will bless the reading of it to each and every heart.
Numbers chapter 13 and verse number 33. Like you look at this text this morning as we consider again the reality of facing our giants. Report has been brought back from the land of Canaan by 12 spies. 10 bring back a negative, pessimistic, or as the Bible says, an evil report, a report that's not good. And then Caleb and Joshua, the two remaining spies, are positive and optimistic that God can give victory. But we read again the words of the 10. In verse number 33, there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which were come out of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. I want to speak for a little while this morning upon giants, grasshoppers, and God. Giants, grasshoppers, and God. Let's pray together. Let's seek the Lord earnestly, and let's just pray that whatever our needs and burdens and trials and battles are, that even this morning the Lord will come and speak to our hearts by His Spirit. Let's pray. Loving God and everlasting Father, we humbly and reverently come before the throne of grace again in the Savior's name. We ask, O God, that Thou wilt grant, Lord, the warmth of Thy presence. And grant, O God, today that, Lord, You will take any heaviness that there might be out of this meeting. And grant, O God, liberty and freedom and the presence of God and the speaking voice of the Lord. Father, we pray that we will have a real time around Thy feet. That, Lord God, Thou wilt speak into our hearts. And grant, O God, that I will have a word in season for each and every one. Remember especially, Lord, those that find themselves perhaps overwhelmed by the cares and concerns and the burdens of this life. Some today that are facing giants, maybe can't see a way forward and feel like retreating and going back. O God, we pray that you will give us a sight of our Savior. We acknowledge, Lord, that there are giants. Sometimes, Lord, we feel so small, even like grasshoppers. But help us in these days to see God, hear and answer prayer, grant the help of heaven and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Lead us on with thyself. We pray in Jesus' precious and worthy name. Amen. You know, oftentimes in the Christian life, in our heart of hearts, we know where we should be. We also perhaps know where we could be, and we also know what we ought to be. But sometimes because of the fear that we possess regarding the giants, we hold back from fighting for victory and live and even die perhaps in a spiritual wilderness. And if there's ever a case of that in the Word of God, we see it here in Numbers chapter 13, regarding the report that 10 spies brought back after searching and visiting the land of Canaan, the land of promise. God sent 12 men to go into the borders of the land of Canaan and spy out the land. And all 12 men saw and experienced exactly the same things. They saw the good things that the land possessed, the milk, the honey, the hills, the valleys, the rivers, the streams, the lush pastures, the grapes, the pomegranates, the fruit of the land, 
all of them saw the same things. They also all saw the giants that were in the land. But the reality was that ten of them came back with an evil report saying it was neither worthwhile nor possible to enter into the place of God's appointment and promise. But Caleb and Joshua, the Bible says, were men with a different spirit. They saw everything that the ten spies saw, but the difference was they also saw God. They brought God into the equation. We might say they brought Christ into their crisis. It was all a question of perspective. And sometimes, as we look at where we ought to be, where we should be, and what we should be as Christians, maybe we desire it. We desire blessing. We want to be used of God. We want to be in the place of God consciousness, in the place where God hears and answers prayer, in the place of victory over sin and over self and over temptation, in the place of usefulness, in the place of fruitfulness, in the place of peace and joy and contentment. But sometimes, yes, we see the giants. Sometimes, yes, we see ourselves as grasshoppers. But sometimes, tragically, in the midst of it all, we fail to see God. Caleb and Joshua were willing to trust God and press on into the place of blessing while the other ten spies said, it can't be done. Caleb and Joshua saw God above and beyond every other thing. Some saw the giants. Some saw themselves as grasshoppers. Others saw the giants. And yes, they saw themselves as grasshoppers, but they also saw God. We're living, friends, in a day where we've perhaps lost the vision of who God is and of what God can do and of where we could be and of what we could be if only we trusted God and obeyed Him and went forward. And tragically, the majority of these spies, 10 out of 12, wanted to go back and were filled with fear and negativity and pessimism and unbelief, and brought so much discouragement into the camp of Israel. Giants, grasshoppers, and God. I want you to notice, first of all, in verses 17 through to verse number 20, the reconnaissance of the land. They've been sent on what we might call a reconnaissance mission, going in and spying out the land, just like a military general might send some of his soldiers out on a, on a reconnaissance mission. I want you to spy out the land. I want you to see where the strongholds are. I want you to see where the enemies lie. I want you to see where the hills and the mountain ranges are and where the plains are. Spy out the land. And that is exactly what God had instructed Moses to do. Right there in verse number 2. Send Thou men, that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. God says to Moses, I have given you the land. That land belongs to you. It's, it's in the inheritance that I'm giving you. I'm promising you the land. I'm going to give it to you. It belongs to you. Send out men 
despite the land and then in obedience to the Lord. Verse 17, Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan. The land was given by God. It was theirs. And that was where they were ultimately supposed to be, in the land of promise, in the place of blessing, a land flowing with milk and honey, a land of hills and of valleys, a land that was fruitful, a land that God had given them, a land that God would bless them. And you see, God, yes, had delivered the children of Israel from bondage and slavery in Egypt. He had delivered them by the blood of the Lamb. He had brought them through the Red Sea. Now they find themselves in the wilderness. But friends, there is so, so, so much more for the children of Israel. There's a place of blessing. There's a place of satisfaction. There's a place of fullness. There's a place of victory. And many of them would never enter into that particular place. And as I think about that, surely we see many, many believers living a similar existence, delivered by the blood of the Lamb, redeemed from the bondage of sin, brought out of slavery, brought across the Red Sea, and we find ourselves in this world of ours in a wilderness And maybe in our heart of hearts we know that there is so much more for us to experience as Christians. There is so much blessing for us to enjoy, so much to explore by way of prayer and fellowship with God and usefulness and purpose and victory and bringing forth fruit unto God. But because we see the giants and we see ourselves as grasshoppers, we do not enter into the place where God would have us to be. Can I challenge you this morning? As I challenge my own heart, are you in the place that God wants you to be in? Are you in the place of blessing? Are you in the place of victory? Are you in the place of fellowship with God, the place where you're enjoying your possessions. The Bible speaks about possessing your possessions. And J.C. Ryle used to say, so many Christians are living well beneath their Christian privileges. We're happy to trust God to forgive us. We're happy to trust God to get us to heaven. But sometimes whenever we see the giants, we fail to trust God to give us the victory. And we fail to trust God to drive out the enemy. And we fail to trust God to give us strength and vitality in the Christian life. But nevertheless, verse number 21 says, So they went up and they searched out the land all the way from the wilderness of Zin in the south to Rehob in the north. So, so, so much land. And God says to the children of Israel, This land is yours. I'm giving it to you, and I want you to spy out the land and come back and tell me what you think of the land. And so you have the reconnaissance of the land. Notice, secondly, the reality of the giants. Verse number 27 says concerning the ten spies, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely, or we we grant it, yes, it is a land that floweth with milk and honey. And here's the fruit from the land. And they've got these huge bunches 
of grapes, and other fruits beside. Yes, it's a land of blessing. It's lush. It's green. It's vibrant. It's better than the wilderness. We take that on board. And surely it's a land that floweth with milk and honey. And everything that we desire, and everything that we ever wanted or dreamed of, yes, it's in the land. But, but, the people that dwell in the land are strong. The cities are walled and very great. And verse 28, we saw the children of Anak there. We saw, verse 33, the giants. Now, the reality in the presence of the giants was obvious. And it was undeniable. And the possibility of these giants just taking up sticks and uprooting sticks and leaving the land of Canaan, that's never going to happen. They're not going to do that. In and of themselves, the possibility of the giants going away is nil. It would be complete denial to pretend otherwise. All 12 spies saw the reality of the giants. And 10 of the spies said, essentially, yes, that's where we should be. That's where we could be. That's where we would like to be. That's where we ought to be. That's where we need to be. But we cannot possibly enter in because of the giants. Now, there's no giants here in the wilderness, but in the place where God wants us to be, there are giants. And yes, there are things that we would like to enjoy in the place of promise, but because of the giants, we're either going to stay in the wilderness or perhaps even go back to Egypt. Now, beloved, this morning, if we want to enjoy the blessing of God in our lives, if we want to experience the blessing of God in our homes, if we want to know the blessing of God in this church and as a people in this fellowship, we have to acknowledge the reality of the giants. And we also have to acknowledge that in their sight, and maybe even in our own sight as well, we're just like little grasshoppers. We are living in a day where giants are real. They're visible, they're obvious, they're numerous. Maybe in your life and home it might be the giant of unbelief. Maybe it's the giant of fear. Maybe it's the giant of opposition or persecution. Maybe it's the giant of disappointment. Maybe it's the giant of discouragement. Maybe it's the giant of worldly allurement and temptation. Maybe it's the giant of opposition. Maybe it's the giant of self. Maybe it's the giant of sin. Maybe it's the giant of secularism. Maybe it's some habit in your life. Maybe it's some mindset. Maybe it's something that you face Monday through to Friday. Maybe it's something on a Saturday. Maybe it's something that I have omitted to mention. But you know in your life that God has a plan and a purpose for you. A place that God wants you to be in. But you say, I can't get there. And I can't possess my possessions because of the reality of the giants. Notice thirdly, the report of the spies. Verse 26, they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel and brought back word unto them and showed all the congregation the fruit 
of the land. It says in verse number 25 that they had searched out the land for 40 days. Now in the Bible, the number 40 represents the number of trial and the number of testing. And it's my conviction that in these days that we're living in, and in the last two or now almost three years with everything that has gone on in our land, it's been a great period of trial and a period of testing for the church of Jesus Christ. Who really wants to go through with God? Who is really going to be found in their place? Who is going to face up to the battles and the trials that are confronting the church in these days that we're living in? They came out of a time of trial and the time of testing. Notice, first of all, that 10 brought a pessimistic report. The majority said it cannot be done. Verse 33, we saw the giants, the sons of Anak. It says that we are not able, verse number 23, we're not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. Yes, we saw all of the good things and we have brought back some of the good things. And we can testify that God's promise holds good. That the land is everything that God said the land would be. And we acknowledge that there are many good things in the land. But we also have to acknowledge that there were giants. And whenever we saw the giants, we just felt like little grasshoppers. And listen, we are not able to possess it. They never once said, God is able. It's true they were not able. But with God, all things are possible. And how often do we employ that mentality in this day and generation? We are not able. Pessimism. Can't do it, Lord. I cannot defeat this sin. I cannot defeat this temptation. I can't really get a grip in my prayer life. I can't really have a proper quiet time. I don't have the strength to witness and stand for God. I don't have the strength and the ability to bring forth fruit. I'm not really able to be in the place where I want to be or where I could be. Lord, I am not able. Somebody once said that fear is the beginning of defeat. Pessimism is oftentimes guilty of killing the church. You know, a number of years ago, we were in a certain farm, and we were playing with a rugby ball, and the rugby ball got kicked very high, right up into the very top of a huge chestnut tree that had stood there for years. And there, right up at the top, you could see this little rugby ball. And nobody had a ladder big enough to get to the top of that tree. So my brother-in-law and I, we went into one of the outhouses in that farm. We come out with several lengths of drain pipe. And we got some duct tape and we taped them all together. And by the end of it, we had this big long pole. It was like a, about 50 feet long. And I says, we can put this pole up through the branches of the tree and poke that rugby ball and get it out. And everybody, apart from my brother-in-law, said, can't be done. And they laughed at us. And I says, we'll be able to do it. We got this big, it was, I thought this will just be like a snooker cue and we'll use some of the branches like a rest and we'll use the, the end of this big pole and it'll just be like hitting the cue ball. But whenever we lifted this big pole, it just bent over like a big hoop, like a big banana. And everybody laughed, can't be done. And we got stubborn and we dug our heels in and we says, it can be done and it will be done. 
And so he fed that big pole up through the branches of the tree, resting it branch upon branch, and eventually just were able to poke that rugby ball and it come down out of the tree. And all the while I'm thinking, this someday will be a great sermon illustration. It can't be done. At least 10 people said that can't be done. And only two said it can be done. And dear friends, it was done. And the rugby ball was brought down out of the top of that tree. How often do we look at the Christian life, service for God, the place of blessing, and we say it cannot be done. We are not able. The report of the spies, the pessimistic report, and then Caleb and Joshua were men with a different spirit. Caleb, verse number 30 says, Caleb, still the people. So everybody's got very discouraged. There's an uproar. Everybody's very unsettled. And are we not living in a day like that as well? Whenever many of God's people are unsettled and discouraged and wonder, well, where do we go now? God has brought us out of Egypt. He's brought us across the Red Sea. He's brought us into the wilderness. Up until this point, he's provided for all of our needs. But now we're told we can't enter in to the land of Canaan. What do we do now? And they're unsettled. And Caleb stilled the people. The Bible says, be still. And know that I am God. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up. Isn't that a wonderful statement? Let us go up. He didn't say, let us go back. He didn't say, let us go down. He said, let us go up. Let us go on. Let us go forward. Let us ascend. Let us go up at once. Let's not dilly-dally any longer. We don't have time to stand here in the wilderness. If we go up immediately, if we go up once, we can possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. How different things appear to them. Now, they saw all of the fruit and the milk and the honey. They saw the giants as well. They saw everything that the other ten spies saw. The only difference was they saw it all through the lens of God's providence. They saw everything through the lens of God's promise. They saw everything through the lens of God's provision. They saw it all through the lens of God's presence and the lens of God's power. And they said, we are well able to overcome it. Thank God for people who are optimistic. Thank God for people who believe in a better day. Thank God for people who believe in the promise of God. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 20, Do we really believe it? Now unto him that is able to do, exceeding, abundantly, above all that we ask or even think, according to the power that worketh in us. Jesus Christ said to his disciples before going to the cross in John 16, he said, In the world... Ye shall have tribulation. But that's not all that he said. He said, but be of good comfort, for I have overcome the world. It's like he's saying to the disciples, in the world you will face giants, but I have overcome them all. And all you have to do is trust me and go forward with me. Somebody once said, faith makes things possible. It does not make them easy, but it does make them possible. Notice 
Another little thought here, the rebellion of the people. Verse 1 of chapter 14, the ten spies have stood in again, just after Caleb is still the people, and they say, we saw the giants were like grasshoppers in our own sight and in theirs as well. And then the rebellion of the people, the congregation lifted up their voice and cried. And the people wept. The people wept all that night. Ten spies brought a spirit of fear, a spirit of fatalism, a spirit of failure and pessimism, and they bred that into the hearts of the people of God. And the results from that pessimistic report were, in verse number 1 of chapter 14, disappointment, discouragement, and disillusionment. Do you mean to say that we came out of Egypt and we crossed over the Red Sea and we have spent all this while journeying in the wilderness and we have come to the borders of the land of Canaan and you're telling us that it can't be done? And they began to get disappointment. We came out of Egypt and we can't enter in. Verse number 2, And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt? Or would God we had died in this wilderness? And they're complaining. And they're murmuring. And they're criticizing. And they're gossiping. And they just want it all to end right there and then. And they almost wish, we wish we had never come out of Egypt. How many people today are like that? Maybe today you think, is it worth living the Christian life at all? Is it worth being involved in a separated witness? Is it worth paying all this price and coming so far and then finding that we stop here and we can't go forward and we've been led down a certain road and here we are and now there's all of these giants that we never had to face before and there's all of this disquieted, disappointed, discouraging atmosphere amongst the people. And so they say in verse number 3, Wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return to Egypt? Backsliding. You know what they're saying? We would have more liberty going back to the world, going back to Egypt, than we would entering into the land of promise and the land of blessing. Can you see how big a lie that is? And yet in our day and generation, many are leaving the highways, as they might have said, trod by our fathers of old. And under the guise of spiritual freedom and spiritual liberty, they go back to the things that they once repented of and get involved in them again, and even involved in things that were never involved with in the first place. And they say this is real liberty. But really they're going back, back to bondage, back to slavery, back to the world, back to a land that God had destroyed. It was rebellion. It was unbelief. And if they would not go forward, they would go back. 
Dear friends, I had so much more to say this morning. I'm looking at my watch here. I think time is gone. I don't think I'm going to get this message finished this morning. I apologize if we're finishing on a pessimistic note. But just think about it for a moment. The place God wants us to be. The place God would have us to be. The place God has promised we can be. But what about the giants? We're just like grasshoppers. Have we forgotten that God is able? David Livingstone, great man of God. What a man of God he was. He preached once in a little church in Scotland. And he challenged people to come forward. And people came forward. And he left behind a blaze and a trail for God. You know, David Livingstone was influenced by a young man called Robert Moffat. Many years ago in a church in Scotland, I just finished with this amazing story. Church in Scotland, there was an old pastor. Hadn't seen much work done for several years and he was so discouraged and downcast. His elders and his deacons came to him and they began to talk about the problems in the church and the lack of conversions and the lack of people coming in. And, and the old pastor just says, well, I have to acknowledge that very little has happened in these years under my ministry. And they said, well, has anybody got saved? And he said, there's one boy, his name is Robert. This little boy was just in his early teens. His name was Robert Moffat. And he became one of the pioneer missionaries to Africa. And whenever Robert Moffat had been in the mission field, he came and addressed a meeting in Scotland and preached at that meeting and, and brought the challenge of missions to the people in that meeting and said that the interior of Africa has never been touched with the gospel. Who will go? And a young man sitting at the back of the meeting called David said, I will go. And that was David Livingstone. And David Livingstone pressed into the heart of Africa with the gospel. He became, yes, a famous explorer, a famous missionary. His body was ravaged by a lion on one occasion. He never really enjoyed great health. But whenever David Livingstone died in Africa, the church in Britain arranged to have his body brought back to be buried under a brass plate on the floor of Westminster Abbey. But the story goes that the night before his body was brought home, natives opened his casket and they cut out his heart. And they buried his heart in a, under a tree in Central Africa. And you can go to Westminster Abbey, I think it is today, and you can visit there the resting place of the remains of David Livingstone. Great eulogy written on the floor in this brass plate. And yet somewhere for years, nailed to a tree in Africa was a little sign that said, David Livingstone, pioneer missionary. His body is buried in London, but his heart is still very much in Africa. And David Livingstone made this statement, I will go anywhere for God as long as it's forward. I will go anywhere for God as long as it's forward. I wonder today, is there a challenge and a tug in our hearts to go back? Back to Egypt. Back to the world. No longer desiring to enter into the place of blessing.
all because we see the giants. May God help us in these days to go forward. Let's have a word of prayer together. Let's ask God to write His Word upon our hearts. Let's pray. Loving God and everlasting Father, we cast ourselves at Thy feet. We acknowledge, O God, that oftentimes we see the giants, we see the battles, we see our weakness, we feel that we're not able, we feel so small. And Lord, we acknowledge that we get our eyes off the Lord. Forgive me, O God, for getting my eyes off the Savior. Help us to see one who is mighty, one who has defeated sin and death and hell upon a cross, who now lives in the power of an endless life. And Lord, in these closing days of time, thou hast redeemed us. Lord, you've blessed us in times past. But Lord, there's still so much ground to be possessed. Give to us a spirit like that of Caleb and Joshua, men with a different spirit. Give us all, Lord, a different spirit from the spirit of the age. Give us confidence in our God today. Help us, O God, to go forward. Part us now with thy fear, with thy favor, and with thy blessing. Lead us on with thyself and accept of our thanks for thy speaking voice this morning. We humbly pray in Jesus' name. And now may the blessing of God the Father and the love of God the Son and the fellowship and the communion of God the Holy Spirit rest and remain and abide with us now and forevermore. We humbly pray in Jesus' name. Amen.